First Corinthians chapter two, uh, verse one. So we, we started up this, uh, this series a couple weeks ago. We've done two weeks of it. And um, through First Corinthians, and the, the, we titled it Run to Win, um, kind of keeping our focus and moving forward and growing and becoming more and more uh, um, reliant and in doing so becoming more and more effective in following God and then letting him and his spirit take over and empower us and use us uh, to impact the world that we live in. Um, be taking all the weights and snares and taking them and putting them to the side and, and running and going for it. So um, we're going to continue on with that uh, this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for each and every person here represented here. We pray that you would uh, bless Lord the uh, this time, God, that you'd speak to us by your spirit. We know it's only you that can change the hearts of men and women, Lord, that can really affect us in the way we need to be affected and can give us what we need, God. So help us to uh, to look to you and that you would just do that in us. That we'd be open, our ears would be open. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, um, to understand what you're speaking to us, what you're um, showing us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So where we left off in right at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul had been dealing with this church in Corinth, and by recap, Corinth was wicked. It was a pretty nasty area, like really bad, like gnarly, gnarly uh, sin and gnarly like worldly living, and, uh, and yet they were very successful and, and very academic, and, but there was a deep-rooted problem with sin. And uh, in the midst of that, God had established a church in Corinth, and he had people there, and, and Paul spent time there. We read in Acts 18, it was like a year and a half that Paul was able to spend in Corinth, hanging out with these people, getting to know them, and establishing a, establishing a church in a, in a rough area. Um, and what we know is the church of Corinth was extremely effective in, in spiritual gifts. They were being used in that way, and, and they had understanding, and they were waiting, you know, Jesus coming back. They had a lot of good things going for them, but they also had major issues with authority, and they had a lot of ego problems. They did not want to be told what to do. They felt like they were a little bit elite, and so Paul is really breaking down the mind of a proud Christian. Like, there's no place for it. So he's been ripping that completely, uh, just peeling the lid off of it and dumping it out and saying, here you go. This is what you think you are. You're nothing. Here's what you, th if you think you bring anything to the table, you bring nothing to the table. It's not about you. It's about him. And so he kind of continues with that. And we're going to see that here in, in this chapter. Uh, verse one, he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring the testimony of God. He's continuing the theme that our hope is in Christ alone. Like it's nothing that I could offer up or I could uh, butter up or I could make more effective than this simple truth. And they would know this well because Paul spent a lot of time with them. He established the church. He, they know him. They know what he was about. They know where he was going, what, you know, like what he stood for. And they knew Paul wasn't like a, some crazy, like, um, faith healer kind of preacher where he rolled in and took an offering and then took off. We know he was tent making, right, with Priscilla and Aquila. And, and he was just honoring the people, spending time loving on them and, and had this deep, you know, deep relationship with them. 
But he says, and you guys know when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring uh, the testimony of God. Uh, he didn't come with, it's, there's two things there, excellence of speech, meaning he wasn't manipulating the situation, right? He wasn't coming at it with like this uh, beautiful presentation, like a you know great sales presentation. There's, there's, I love Costco. I love samples. You guys love samples. Um, you know, and I've mentioned this before. But there's a difference between the just regular Costco samples and the people who are representing the product that is there, whether it be Cutco knives, right? Or like, say, Vitamix, okay? Vitamix, biggest commitment in the demo, in the, uh, um, it's the biggest commitment in the sample industry. You got to sit there and you got to listen the whole time. And they're telling you everything and you're very interested. Yes, I'm very interested in this because you know at the end you're going to get some really, a really good smoothie. They put pineapple in it and it's so good, right? And you can sit there and you go, wow, that's really interesting. And they say, you know what else it makes? It makes soup. I've never had soup before. I'd like to try that, you know? And so you have to sit there and, and it'll make you soup. And then they go, would you like to have like a green one? And you're like, uh, I guess, sure. I mean, so you, you really could be there for 20 minutes and they're giving you the pitch and I'm a terrible person, right? Because I'm like looking at it, I'm like, I'm not buying a $600 blender. You know, that's just me. But um, the pitch is, it, it can be really, really uh, um, intense and very um, swaying, right? Uh, I remember one time we had actually had a, this guy was putting, hey, free carpet cleaning, one room of your house. I just want to show you how it works. No strings attached, no sales pitch, no nothing. And we're I'm dumb enough to think, yeah, let's do it, okay? And so I let him come in, and, and we, had, we picked a room, and it was dirty, you know, because the kid's running back and forth or whatever. And so they came in, and he cleaned it, and, um, and he, I'm not going to mention the company, uh, but he started selling hard, and he made me think that my vacuum cleaner was, like, actually much worse than not vacuuming my carpet at all, and that uh, what I was actually doing was giving my children cancer and all of these things, and and um, and I said, well, I can't buy a $3,000 vacuum, and you might know what I'm talking about at this point, and lucky for me, though, there's payment plans, and I did not do it, <laughs> but it was it was so, it was funny, because I was like, I'm not going down this road. But he was so convincing and so intense that you, uh, do you think you might have buyer's remorse in a situation like that? Perhaps $3,000 later. But it's a vacuum. It'll, you know, it's going to last the rest of your life. Well, what kind of vacuum do you have? Oh, man, I have a, um, you know, a Dyson. Oh, Dyson. Oh, my gosh. That's, you know, might as well. You know, where are your kids? I'm going to kick one of them just to show you what you're doing to your children. But it's kind of that sales technique, this excellence of speech, this, this, whoa, I can bring you up and I can bring you down and you can follow me through this emotional uh, journey. And all of a sudden I will bring this out the truth and I'll sneak it in right at the last second. You sign the contract, right? Or of wisdom, right? This is, they loved hearing different people come and speak. They have the wisdom of the day. What does somebody have to bring in? Or he, Paul didn't come at it from that angle. Although we know Paul can be very persuasive in the way he speaks, that's not even bad. Uh, and and it's, is it wrong to use wisdom? No, we use, see Paul using wisdom and reasoning in Athens, but I think God had put it on his heart to know full well in Corinth, it has to be 100% the gospel, nothing else, no frills, no nothing, all, all, just 100%, here's the message, do with it what you want. Here it is. 
But it's interesting because he says, declaring to you the testimony of God. The idea of a testimony is just your story. It's you're testifying of what you have seen and experienced and what that's done in your life. I was listening to Guzik on this section, and he was talking about how Paul was an ambassador and not a salesman. That that was interesting. A really good way to think about the gospel is not to be a salesman of the gospel where you're like trying so hard to, to hide the, the shortcomings and only giving the good news, right? Oh, just, uh, I don't want you to see this. So here's all the good stuff. He was an ambassador and he says, I'm an ambassador. I'm sent here to say these words. And after I say them, that is it. There you go. I am not going to lose sleep. It, they, this, I'm just giving you what I've been given. Have a good one, you know. He was an ambassador, and he stands in that confidence of an ambassador. He's not willing to sell, sell it off as cheap because he knew it wasn't cheap. You know, the harder the sales pitch, the worse the product, right? Let's speak for itself. If I see it for myself, I will, I will acknowledge it. He says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Does that mean that Paul like washed his brain of everything he knew? And he's like, just Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, Yeah, I know, Paul. Okay. How do you make a tent? I forgot. Just Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's the only thing I know. No, it wasn't that he didn't know any other things or he didn't have these other things in his mind. Again, we've seen him. In Athens, we've seen him using his intellect and, and having these beautiful conversations and, and being able to bring it all together. But he says, I determined not to know anything else among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. All other things known are nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified. No, nothing else has any standing anywhere close to that. So I determined to put all that stuff on the shelf and just let God have his work. That's so hard to do. It's so hard not to like manipulate situations in your life, right? Where you're looking at it and you're going, oh, God's doing something and it's kind of a mess and I think I could fix it though for him. And we could speed this whole thing up. Let's put a little bit of miracle grow on here and I'm gonna go ahead and step in and, and, and make, it, make it happen. Fix it a little bit, you know? What ends up happening? You end up finding out you like... Never, you didn't have the blueprints. You had no idea what you were doing and you totally screwed it up, you know? Like maybe you've put together furniture from Ikea or something and you're like, this just does not fit. And so you go, I should just drill a hole and then it'll go in. And then now, now all of a sudden you're like making something. In, this is not what this was created for. And that furniture needs every single thing to be right for it not to fall apart and become dust, right? Because if it's, if it's not put together well, all of a sudden you tap it and it's like... It all falls apart. So if you go rogue and you start doing your own thing and you start inserting your own plans into it, this is not what you do with particle board construction. This is not a good idea. You have no idea what you're doing. Back off. Hold on. If it doesn't seem right, then it probably isn't right. Slow down. I remember I was just talking to Kellen about it when we first got married. That's like all I was doing was building that kind of furniture, Right? And sometimes you'd be like, oh, oh, there's no hole here. There's supposed to be a hole here. This is, this is wrong. I guess I'll just drill a hole. You start thinking that way, and then all of a sudden you turn it around. You're like, oh, the hole's on that side. Good to know. Glad I didn't drill a hole there. But you start freaking out like, they gave me the wrong parts. I'm going to get online. and well, Maybe you should look a little harder because it looks the same, but it isn't. If you've done Ikea, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. 
But the fact that he says he was determined not to know anything among them means it was a conscious effort to not insert himself into the equation. I think it's good to know that you have the power to manipulate and then to realize that you should not. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I would never want to do it. You do it. It happens. It's easy to manipulate situations and things. And I notice it a lot with my kids. They think they're slick. They're not slick. Most people know when you're trying to manipulate them. They're like, oh, oh so that's what this lunch was about, you know? So it's a little different than I thought it was going to be. And he says, so it's a conscious effort that he makes. Verse 3, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. What Paul's saying is, I was with you broken. There's a couple different ideas on what exactly this was. His weakness, fear, and trembling. Some believe he was literally really sick when he was there. And Paul did deal with health issues. We see that. Uh, And this might be the case. There's also a very heavy persecution going on. And Paul was like public enemy number one. They did not like Paul. Paul was the exact opposite of what the, any of the Jews wanted to deal with because he was, he was the, the Pharisee of Pharisees turned Christian. That's like not good for, for business, right? Someone who's, who's turned from and, and seen the truth and is converting people like crazy, So it might be either one. We don't know. What we do know is that he was broken and he was reliant on the Lord. And he wants them to know that. It wasn't about me. You guys know this. You know how I was standing. I was, it was fear. It was in trembling. It was in weakness. And in those things, you find God has the most, uh, he works the most things in your life in those seasons, huh? Sometimes you think you're going to be stuck there forever in weakness and fear and trembling. We are not supposed to be stuck in, in fear and weakness. Weakness, we're always weak in a sense, but we're not supposed to be, we're not going to be there forever, but it, it's a great season of learning and growing to realize I am not God. I am not as strong as I thought I was. I, I do not hold my life in my own hands. And then when you realize that, you go, I need help. And he says, oh, you need more help than you ever imagined you need help. Now you just can see it. You can see it in a little element of your physical or your mental or whatever it is. Let that penetrate your whole life. You need me 100%. It's going to continue on here. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the power and of the spirit. He was well, Paul was very well studied. He was an elite intellectual. He was so smart. Like, really, Paul was a, a just brilliant guy. But he shows that the true importance of the gospel message is able to stand on its own. Are you smarter than Paul? Like, no. Maybe you are. I don't know. We don't have an IQ test. I took an IQ test, and it said I was a genius. I took it online. I did really good, you know? Like, I took that test, and yeah. Everybody, it's, you have a lot of those stories. Yeah, I took this one IQ test online. I'm actually a genius. You're like, wow, cool. A lot of geniuses running around, by the way. Um, Black belt, yeah. I'm wearing a black belt right now, Zane. Can you believe it? Okay. Um, But he's saying, like, that it, it wasn't with my persuasive words. I don't trust in those. Those aren't enough. 
It's not of human, it's not human wisdom. Human wisdom is just that, human wisdom, the normal, the natural man's thinking. The best this world can do is the, the highest natural wisdom you can get. That's it. But it only goes that high. It can only go that high. And Paul's not trying to, you know, here, let me make it real, perfectly palatable for you. And then all of a sudden tell you, well, yeah, and Jesus died for your sins. And you're like, what sins? It doesn't matter. Let's hang out. You know, like, what is in my sins? What is my, you know, what does this mean? I, I don't understand. I, uh, another cool thing I, I heard from Guzik, he says, when you draw, what you draw people in with is what you draw them to. Isn't that interesting? When you, when it's, when it's based on like an entertainment or, um, you're so awesome, you know, like these are the things that you get drawn into and you go, well, this is, this feels really good, you know? And, and then you go, so where's more of that? I need more of that. And then all of a sudden, everything is about you, and it's all serving you. And you go, you start reading the Bible and says, like, you know, better to serve than to be served. And you're like, all, well, (laughs) everyone knows that's not true for sure. Um, I'm all about being served. And you start living your life like that, and then, you know, you go down the road, and you, you get married, and you have kids, and you're like, why am I not being served? Like, I deserve to be served. I'm God's special little like ray of sunshine that that everyone is here to to worship, right? Isn't it interesting? Like that's you would get that mindset though. You say, well, anything we can do to bring them in, we'll bring them in. It's like, dude, let the gospel be the gospel. Because you know what? The best kind of believers and the best kind of church is made up of people who realize and recognize that they are desperately caught up in sin more than they ever would acknowledge or they ever would, would uh, want to admit. But they're fallen, fallen man. And, and, and in doing so, you see this beautiful, merciful Savior and the gospel message that God so loved the world, he gave his son to die for us. And then when you accept that and you realize that, then you're all playing with house money. Everybody's living the grace game. And that's a beautiful community. You go, I don't even deserve to be here. How do I tell other people about this? This is amazing. But I thought that was so interesting. What you draw people in with is what you draw them into. It's so good. So it makes so much sense. And this is, you don't have to look far. This is all over the place. It's, you do anything to, to get your foot in the door, or people in the door, whatever in the door. And what are the results? Consumerism. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. But the truth of the gospel is that you've been weighed, you've been found wanting, and you need help. The choice to trust God in this, we see at the end, resulted in what? A demonstration of spirit and power. By Paul not using human wisdom, by Paul not micromanaging the situation of being like, oh, cool, God, good message. I know how to add to this. What was the result? But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. We don't need more marketing geniuses in the church. We don't need more fluffing up. We need the spirit and demonstration of the spirit and of power that can change lives, really change lives. The beautiful thing is, in this room, there is a 
great array of this happening and has happened. Power that has changed lives. And then power not only that has changed lives, but is now manifesting itself as power through those people. Isn't that beautiful? So cool. But it's all about that choice and trusting him in that. That your faith, 5, verse 5, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Isn't that what it really all boils down to? That your faith would be in the wisdom, I mean, that your would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If you break it down, like, what do I trust in? Like, the way of men or God? And just be honest with yourself. And every one of us probably has somewhere in their life where it's been a little bit more about, like, wisdom of men than trusting God because it's what we see, it's what we're around. But those are not the things that produce in you what God wants to produce in you. And it staggers you and it holds you back and, and you feel like it's, you're so tired and weary. The point is that man tries to put their fingerprints on everything that God does. We see it over and over again, all throughout scripture. But it's all about the power of God shining through weak vessels. That's, that's the whole point. It's not about us. It's about him revealing we're weak, but he's strong in us. And ever, the world baffled, like just can't, they're baffled. They're marveling. What, are, what is that? Verse six, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. I love this, man. For this, this book is so good. Paul's, Paul does not care. Like he is... He's just so honest. And he wants, he's honest not to be brutal, but he wants them to see it and to be snapped into reality so they can understand what you're abiding in, what you're trying to mix together. Because he says, we speak wisdom uh, among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. I mean, those who are mature get this, but the wisdom, it's not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, because they're coming to nothing. Like, the wisdom of this age, as wise as it might seem, it's coming to nothing. Really, if you look at the wisdom of the world and, and the great, you know, how high we're, it's just, it's, we've been here before. Like, like, this is, there's nothing new right now. There's, like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It just keeps this pursuit to, Oh, well, you know, now that I see it, I see the world completely different in a way that, you know, paradigm shifting. This is not, it's coming to nothing. And it's so obvious. What we see in the world we live in is a bunch of trial and error. And we haven't been able to see the, uh, the experiment played all the way out yet. You're a guinea pig. And I wonder if a little bit of cyanide might work. I don't know. Just try it, you know. If everyone's doing it, it might be good, you know? Well, years later down the road, you can see. But we've got access to the real thing. Verse 7, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. The idea of the mystery, I thought this was really cool. The ancient idea of the mystery, because we think about mystery, and you're like, mystery murder meal or whatever, you know? And you're like, oh, who, who was it, you know? Was it you? We like playing Clue in our house. You guys know Clue? Have you played that game? It's pretty fun. It's like, you got to really think, and you got to look. You can see where they're, like, notching marks. You're like, oh, yeah, that totally looked like Mrs. Peacock. I think, 
I think that she is totally not guilty here. Um, but you play Clue, and you're trying to figure out who could it be, because inside that card, this is confidential, are the, are, is the person who committed the crime, the crime weapon in the room in which it happened. And all we're trying to do is figure out what's in there. It's this great mystery. This idea of mystery is something that had been revealed in a way that you couldn't get it on your own. The mystery had to be revealed to you. Okay, does that make sense? Not like it's not like a mystery that you're like, oh, oh, we'll never know. It's a mystery that has been explained and delivered in a way that you can now understand it. If that makes any sense, you know, there you go. That's that mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which or uh, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Isn't that cool? The the gospel message, which is the mystery that God loves us so much and this redemptive work that he did, it was ordained before the ages for our glory. When I read that, like I was I wrote down, it's like, does God love you? <laughs> yeah, he loves you. He cares about you. Like, and he he knows you, and he had a plan for you. Verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord. Meaning, so you think you're so wise, all the rulers, all these great minds, they saw none of it. They couldn't see it coming. They had no idea because their eyes could not see it. He says, and, and you want proof? They would have never crucified Jesus if they knew what they were doing. They could have never, they would have never thought about that. They would have never done that. Because in doing so, you have brought forth salvation. And I think it, Paul might have had some insight into this. I bet you there was some second guessing about if they should have killed Jesus. Because as soon as they killed him, it all, it all broke loose. And everybody's like, I saw him. The guy you killed, I just saw him. And all his disciples that were all cowardly before are now hardcore like preaching and you took out one man, and now that spirit is living in all of And it's just like, we should have just left him alone. This is causing a much bigger problem, you know? What are we doing? This, is, this was a mistake. Should have just left it alone. So he says, um, then it says, yeah, for the, because he's talking about uh, this, the, for the Lord of, of, whoa, sorry, I missed it coming to nothing, but yes, ordained before the ages for our glory. Then verse eight, which none of the rulers of this age knew for they know they would not have crucified uh, the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Meaning you can't get this with a natural mind. You won't understand it. You won't get it. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us, how? Through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Here's the key to the mystery. We can see it because it's been revealed to us. It's like, you want to see here? Have you ever known like a magic tricks? You know, you like magic tricks or whatever, or card tricks. You're like, that's amazing. You go, how do you do it? How'd you do it? I'm not going to tell you. Magician never, what? He never reveals his secret. Why would he do that? And then you finally get someone to tell you how they did the card trick, right? And the card trick's the worst now. You can't stand it, especially because you can't do it to anyone else. For some reason, when you try and do it, it's like, oh, your card is a jack of spades. And they're like, no, it's not. And you're like, 
Okay. <laughs> so I guess I'm not a magician. Um, but a lot of times when you find out, I remember there was a show when I was a kid that was like uh, a show where there was this ex-magician telling how all the, all the tricks were done. And they like he like had a mask. It was creepy, right? Do you guys remember this? Does anybody remember this show? Yeah. And and he would go out and he would show exactly how he would do it. And what was it called? Did you? Oh no. Okay. Something. That's not right. Is that right? Okay. Maybe you're right. It was on. Fo- it was on Fox. You're right. And I think. And so he would come on there and he would go, you know, and have the the you know the model go and they would do the whole thing and this and you want to know how it's done here you go and it, you'd watch it and you go this is the worst i i wanted to believe that woman was in half and then w- went back together like i didn't i didn't need to know that i wish i wouldn't have known that and you want to know or whatever but it's like been revealed to you and now you can't unknow it you know but it changes everything you can see it for what it really is you're like whoa this is crazy like I, all the things that I just could not see, the little things that he moves over here so you can't notice that this is happening over there. Once it's revealed to you, now you can see it all very plain and clearly. Obviously, this isn't bad news. It's good news. But you can see, like, the whole picture of it all. And honestly, humanity starts making sense. And you start realizing the wisdom of this age is coming to nothing. You can see it for what it is because it's been discerned spiritually. So if all you care about is becoming like the the top of the human wisdom, you will never understand or you'll never get what you can get from being the bottom of spiritual wisdom because you can see it for what it is. It's like night vision, right? We're all stumbling around in the dark. Put on some night vision. All of a sudden you see people stumbling around in the dark. You're like, this is crazy. They don't know where they're going. You're like, yeah, but this guy's, he's really good at finding stuff. He's in the dark, though. So he's still, no matter what, he's, he's got this thing going on, you know? They're st- stuck. They can't see it. But God's revealed this to us through his spirit. And the beautiful thing is, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What a resource we have in the spirit of God. If we're living like natural man, we are not able to engage in the truly beautiful things God wants to bring us into. You're, you're so ready to fall into any trap because you can't see what's in front of you. You can't see with the right eyes. We were made to live like this. And the beautiful thing is that God gives it to us. And so that's why we do things to abide in him. And then his spirit moves in us and we become more sensitive to it. And, and we start as we read through the word, we start seeing the way he thinks about things, the way he sees things, and your mind is transformed, right? Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world. Be be transformed by the renewing of your mind to know what is a good and acceptable, perfect will of God, right? For what, verse 11, for what man knows the things of of man uh, except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Like, how would you know unless you knew, unless you experienced it? Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. The world can't see it. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 
The reliance of the Holy Spirit leads to power. It gives us what we need. He leads us where we are supposed to go. Verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Have you ever noticed you can't argue or talk someone into understanding this? Is that so frustrating? And you go, man, it's so obvious, I feel like, to see the truth, like to understand that there's so much hypocrisy in your thinking. And that how guarded you are and all this. To understand this verse is to understand they literally can't see it. And I was confronted with this truth. How much more important is this not to go, well, we'll talk about it later. Maybe you'll get it later. Maybe you'll get it later. Maybe you'll get it later. How much more important is it for us to pray for God to open their eyes? than to just try and jam their eyes open. When we know full well, we can't help them see. Just like, you know, it's, it's kind of like you, you have kids and you're like, this is not a good idea. Here's why I have all these reasons. I know, I've experienced, I've been through it, whatever. Until they get it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not gonna, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. And they're gonna be like, no, this is the right way. I'm fine. You're like, it's not the right way. It's not the right way. Don't do that. Don't do that. Ah, Okay. And then they find out it was not the right way, right? Usually, like, well, there's some skin knees, and there's, like, you know, there's some tears or whatever. And then they're like, oh, okay, I'm ready to learn the right way. You're like, okay, cool. But to pray for those around you, I think, because it's, it's so frustrating. You're like, they just, what is wrong? They can't see it, like, or they don't want to see it or whatever. And it can become, you know, a bit of all of that. But you go, just, God, open their eyes, when you recognize it's all spiritual battle, it's all spiritually intertwined, it changes the way you view things. You're bad. You don't think right. What's your problem? You know? Man, it's, were you blind? Do you remember what that felt like? I do. I remember being blind. And I remember being very scared. I remember being very alone. And I remember being very, like, honestly dangerous to myself and to everyone around me. Because I... What, what, what do I really see? What do I really know? What do I really care about? What is truth? What is this? What is that? It's not, you can't see it. And then God reveals himself and you, and you start to grow and you start to learn. And all of a sudden your eyes are open. You're, it's, things are illuminated. Verse 15, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Um, this is where Tupac got the, um, the verse for only God could judge me. Um, and he's so accurate about that. You know, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I grew up in, I like grew up in the nineties and, and listened to hip hop when I was a kid. So, um, you guys are, who is Tupac? Maybe you know, and you do know. And I saw you guys put your heads down. Um, so, but it, it, what he's saying is, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. What Paul's meaning here is, is we have access to the truth and nothing the world pins on us that's uh, apart from that truth means anything. Know what I'm saying? Like the judgment of the world doesn't mean anything if it's against what God has revealed to us in scripture. Which, you go, oh yeah, of course. I think that that is important in the day and age we live in. Where you feel like, oh, 
I don't want to offend anyone about anything ever, and I don't want to get judged here, and I don't want to mess up, and I don't want to... By the way, let me, let me clarify. There are things you can be judged for that are not godly, and you are rightfully judged for because you're acting terrible, right? Because there's some, some Christians are like, I'm being persecuted because of my beliefs. You're being persecuted because you're a jerk. You're terrible to people. You're mean. You use truth as like a weapon, and you're swinging it at people. That is not of God. You are rightfully judged for being totally, just actually just don't talk about God, okay? Till you realize you need him. Just, just leave it alone. Because the gospel you're bringing forth is not, it's manipulative for sure. And if you, by the way, if you bring someone in through abusive Christianity, guess what? You're going to build some disciples? Sounds like a good idea, right? No, this is not what that's about. What this is about is about doing and knowing what's right and following God and honoring God when the whole world thinks you're crazy. Don't be alarmed by that at all, but don't take the things they say too seriously. They just can't see. As much as they look at you like you're blind, they're the ones that can't see. You know this, right? You know this reality. You experience this reality. So don't get gun shy. Don't get all stuck in a corner. Expect people to disagree with you because they can't see it like you see it. We've been awakened, and, and we need to stay awake. We need to stay. Remember those verses, the salt, the light, right? Where you light a lamp, you don't put it under a basket, right? And you're a kid, like, hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, right? <laughs> we teach this to our kids, right? Hide it under a bushel. Bushel? Bushel? What's a bushel anyway? I don't know. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You get it, okay. But the idea is like, why would you have this light inside you and then cover it because you're kind of embarrassed about what it does? And it's a little hard for people to understand because they've never seen light before. They don't know what to do with light. And so anyway, and yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. No one's going to know. Uh, they don't get the things of God. They can't judge correctly on that. I mean, it's not to sound condescending, but it's the truth. And we look to the world to be the one that, the natural man to tell us things about God. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what science, you know, so it's about if God, blah, 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 blah. Right? By the way, I think science, honest science works absolutely with truth, with God. 100%. If you're being honest with it, right? If you're being completely honest. Because truth is God's. It belongs to him. Right? Do we have anything to, to hide in, anything to fear? No, absolutely not. Don't worry about the world. They will judge you. They judged Jesus. They, they, they persecuted him. They had issues with him. They will do that with you. Last verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Whoa. Does that tell you something right there? We have the mind of Christ. What a heavy truth. Why would we, here's a good question. Why would we continue to invest in the world's wisdom and standards when we've been brought into the light? It's like a thing I think about because it's easy to do. It's easy to, to invest in the things that the world thinks are important, the things that the world values. 
if we've been given the mind of Christ, if we're being renewed, if we've been given this opportunity to see things like they are and then to be used in people's lives and, and to have our own lives transformed, does this mean anything to us? Or is it just like, oh, cool, the mind of Christ, yeah, sounds good. Got it. That means no cussing, right? Sweet. See ya, you know. That's how you do it, right? Come to church every Sunday. That's it, right? That's all we have to do. No cussing, church every Sunday, right? These are the rules. These are No, it's like full-on immersion takeover. <laughs> God, here I am. You know who I am. You chose me. That was your call. Not a great idea, maybe, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know. Could have done better, maybe. I don't know. No, but you accepted me for who I am. And you want to use this, take it. Go, use it. And help me to abide in you and to, and to dig into spiritual truths. Natural wisdom, it's all around us. Doesn't mean no common sense. I think that there's, there's a degree of that. You can go, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about how to change the alternator on your car. So I'm kind of stuck here. I'll just pray that God just shows me how to do it. You know, you're like, oh, well, you know. Maybe it'd be a good idea to, to do a little research, you know? It's research is of the devil. No, it's not, um, weirdo. Okay, there you go. But to, to have that mind of Christ transform us, to show us who we are, and then to live like that, like the, the, what we were created for, isn't so good. I, I just want to encourage you guys this morning. This is, there's some good stuff in here. There's some good stuff that's like, I don't know, I, as I was reading, as I was studying it, it was uh, convicting for sure. Because it's so easy, we live here. We live in this world, no doubt. Like, you walk out this door, you know, we are living in this world. I was at Trader Joe's yesterday, and I was trying to back out of a spot, and a guy turns and then comes up as I'm backing out and comes right behind me and is staring at me. Like, I, he wasn't behind me. He turned to get behind me, and he's scurried on up there super quick to come and he's staring at me like just staring at me and I'm like what are you doing like I'm thinking like like you're staring at me for getting out of a parking space you know and and then I'm thinking like uh you know I'm thinking bad things you know because this is frustrating to me you know and and that but it's like there's always going to be weird stuff even when it's like not like it's just the world we live in is is fallen and and people do weird things, and, and, and there's, there's opposition that surrounds us, and we have an adversary that is very much against you. There's a crazy amount of spiritual warfare going on around almost everyone I know. <laughs> it, it's heavy. But God wants to continue to deliver us, to grow us, to help us to see, not to trust in ourselves, but to be weak, to be, to be all of those things so that he can be strong on our behalf and he can use us in the world that we live in. That's just like what you were created for. So I guess the whole point is trust God. In every season, just trust him. He's, he's with you. He's taking you through. Just, just trust him, honor him, do everything he tells you to do. And then just leave the results up to him. And you get that's where you get that, that the power and the spirit to move forward. Lord, we just pray for that, God. We ask for that this morning. That you would supernaturally uh, continue to work in our lives to, to be like the spiritual.